Welcome to the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. You are about to listen to the Loops and Life Cycles Podcast with Josh Mason. When you hear a new idea, do you wonder, can I put this into practice and what I'm doing? Join Josh Mason and guests as they dig into concepts from multiple disciplines to find ways to improve our business, our security, and our lives. Enjoy this episode, and remember that knowledge is power, now more than ever. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Loops and Life Cycles. This is Josh Mason, and today I've got with me a family friend and a, a great professional, Rebecca Horace. And Rebecca, could you uh, introduce yourself to, to everyone? Yes, and thank you for having me, Josh. Um, my name is Rebecca Horace, and I am actually a play and education consultant. So I partner with either companies like toy companies or um, educational um, facilities such as schools or libraries, and I bring play and education into those arenas. Nice. Uh, for the audience, Rebecca and I have met through my wife runs a co-op alongside Rebecca for the homeschool community in our area. And there are quite a few uh, highly accredited folks in the team, if I do say so. Um, you recently got your PhD in the last year or so? Yes, it was um, official in June. So, <laughs> yes. Very nice. I defended in April, but yeah, all the paperwork and whatnot. So. That's awesome. Yep. Uh, this whole subject might be a little different than uh, people who have listened to Loops and Life Cycles in the past. I focus generally in cybersecurity, but I've learned that there are so many ideas in this world that are interconnected, and the taking of an, a problem and trying to find solutions for it or trying to find a better way uh, applies in so many fields. And looking at what you're doing with your consulting business, and I just, I know that I'm going to hear some things, but I want to hear your version of them. So if I understand correctly, you used to be a school teacher? Correct. A public school teacher. Yes. Very nice. What brought you from teaching public school into uh, the consulting side of things? Um, I'd say an array of things. So I decided to go back to school because I had my master's and I, I love education. Right. And I, I feel like we can always learn more and continue to better ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to go back and get my doctorate. And I've always been um, fascinated with how children can learn through play. And it was throughout my program that I really was able to research that. And so I, I am currently a lecturer as well for literacy methods mm-hmm. for pre-service teachers. Um, and so I bring a lot of that, those play components in there. But as I was finishing up my program, I looked at, okay, what's missing in, I guess, the general market and what's going on? And if you look at toys today, there's, there's a lot of garbage. I'm not going to lie, right? There's just toys that are... Uh, um, but then they will be like they're plastered with, oh, this is educational or, oh, this helps with literacy development when really it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and a big kick right now is STEM and STEAM toys. Right. 
Um, and so you have the stem washing, or that's what we are coining it now. And where these toys that really have no business in that area, right? There's no science component, there's no technology, no engineering, and but they're being labeled as that, or they're accredited, or you know, they have this stamp of approval. And so I wanted to get in there, I guess, kind of like on that ground level of how can we actually make the toys um, valuable mm -hmm. so that when parents are shopping, they're not overwhelmed by all of these different, you know, um, the packaging and say, oh, what actually is a good toy for my child? That's awesome. It's, uh, I think it's wild, the, the journey from where you started to where you're at in in your development and in deciding to to continue to pursue this is it um, is it something that you think we need more of more people looking at uh, toys and how they're labeled for kids the this steam uh, watching as you hold it do you think we're, we're losing some of the quality of those terms uh, by the quality of products that are out right now Oh, yes, for sure. Um, because there is that big push to be more educational. Mm -hmm. So I recently attended the New York Toy Fair. And as you're going through, there's thousands and thousands of um, toy brands there. And it was really interesting to see because there's so many toys that are labeled as educational and STEM approved and, oh, this will help with math and literacy focused. And when you actually break down the toy, there aren't those true components in the toy. There might be maybe a curriculum that goes along with it, which that's something. Um, but some of these toys just, they don't have it. And I think that it's in this market of, oh, how do we sell the toy? Sure. As opposed to how do we actually make it a true quality toy that has you know, these elements of developmental skills that children need? What are, not to put you on the spot, but what are some of those components that kind of make a toy useful for education in play? I think it's, it depends on what you're looking for and what age group you're looking for, for sure. Um, so if you're wanting, like, I'm just, let's say looking for something for like a three-year-old, mm -hmm. um, you're wanting to look at something that can help them develop their, like, fine motor. So something for their pincer grasp. So something that will work on like lacing skills or something where they can grip those small, small toys and that they can move. So things with bendable um, shapes that they can stack. Um, lots of different puzzles because they're needing that hand-eye coordination, things like that. Um, as you get older, of course, then you'll want to have those actual STEM components. So put in that, that science somewhere and the technology. And um, I was actually speaking with a former professor who she now creates um, science curriculum. Mm -hmm. And she said that she really doesn't like to see a lot of the STEM toys in the sense that they're not teaching actual science. Ooh. That because she was a chemistry professor mm -hmm. for years. And so she really is interested in teaching children science and chemistry and getting them that, that those are the foundational skills that they need. Yeah. And so 
in using um, concepts like that in toys? Are they just look, having fun and making a mess mm -hmm. or are they actually understanding what they're doing and like the elements that are being created and do they come away from that learning, oh, that's what an atom is or that's how motion works mm -hmm. or is it just a big experiment? Which those can still be fun mm -hmm. to do, right? But then you might not want to label it educational. Yeah. Oh, man, I'm thinking of uh, purple cabbage and baking soda peroxide. Um, uh, there were bath bombs at the birthday party that we made, and there was some experimentation happening there with uh, just the leftover materials. Um, and even and with was, the heat. Because yeah. they were expanding a lot quicker. <laughs> exactly. And there wasn't a, a curriculum behind that. There was an explanation. It was, here's some stuff. Have fun. Make a mess. That's interesting. Um, looking at, really, is this teaching a thing or is it just play? And play is fine. Right? Um, especially play that gets them starting to ask, why does it do that? But I, the difference between really getting that value out of it, really teaching a thing. Is there a framework or is there a um, something that a toy, someone who, maybe someone was going to build a toy. Some entrepreneur comes up with an idea and they're like, this is going to teach kids how to do X, Y, or Z. Is there something that they could work from to make sure that they're actually hitting those points? Or should it just be that obvious? No, see, that's the problem, that it's not that obvious. Mm -hmm. um, and because to a toy designer, they're looking for maybe X, Y, and Z, right? They, okay, I want this to appeal to a child. So most likely you're going to go down the licensing route, right? Because, sure. you know, Peppa Pig and Bluey and you know, Paw Patrol, those things all appeal to children. Mm -hmm. But then you also want it to sell. So you need to have it at a price point. Well, then parents are also looking for the sustainability. So you are looking for like the wooden toys. Those are a little bit more expensive. So then you incorporate that into the design. But then you need to have someone really who has that understanding of child development. And that seems to be missing. There are um, a few degrees that focus on um, like in toy design. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to take a class or two on child development along with safety and materials and different components of that. Um, but it's not something that the average designer mm -hmm. is doing. And so that's why they actually will bring in consultants. And it, it's same for like media. Mm -hmm. So you think that there's educational people working in you know, on television shows, and it's typically just consultants who come in and say, oh, no, let's change that. Oh, let's add this. Let's make this a little bit better. That makes sense. I'm thinking of military consultants on TV shows as well, yeah. where they yes. come in, they're like, well, it's not really like that. Writer goes, or the producer goes, well, it's going to be in here, because no one actually knows that. I, I see what you mean. I think a lot of people can get, or a lot of uh, toy creators and program creators can get away with some things like that and utilize the marketing. It's I'm starting to uh, imagine some ties, what we have with software development. There's a software development life cycle where there's the building, the making sure that, you know, it functions. And at a certain point, security should get in there and make sure, okay, our 
bad guy is going to be able to gather information from users because this was built poorly. In toy design, it seems like there needs to be included in that process, if it's going to be educational, that whole how. Spell out how it's going to be educational. And then I'm starting to imagine some testing of how it's going to be educational as well. And I think that is that something that you've done as part of your consulting or you've been part of? Yes. So like toy or play testing. Um, and I actually utilize our homeschool co-op for that, which has been really phenomenal because we have so many fan over a hundred kids. Um, so that's been wonderful. I mean, a great asset and a lot of companies actually really appreciate that. They said, what, you have access to over a hundred children? And I said, yes. So when they send products and they want anything either um, given out if they're doing their beta testing mm -hmm. and then they just want surveys usually done. Sometimes they have to observe while the um, children are playing, um, things of that nature. And then they just really want feedback from either the kids, the parents, combination, and then me as well. That's awesome. So that's with that. Um, and there are a few companies who are doing that type of testing, mm -hmm. and which is phenomenal. Um, like they have, so I actually had the chance to visit Fisher Price in August and we got to tour their play lab. So they have researchers there and they are studying children. They have them come to their facility and they test the toys with them. And that's something that all companies should be doing. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I also think of cybersecurity and often we go, that makes sense. Everyone should be doing that. Uh, unfortunately, there are plenty of companies that are having a hard enough time just trying to make profit uh, with what they've got. It's an interesting world, and I do love the idea of trying to reach for that, not perfection, but excellence, in trying to really put out an excellent product and really trying to help children uh, both be entertained and learn. Um, is there, is it growing in the field? Is it niche? Is, are there just a few companies that are doing it? Or do you think it's going to be a trend where it'll pick up and the, the junk toys that are just marketed as steam will eventually get replaced by quality? Oh, I'd say that's a difficult question. Sorry. I think that those toys will, no, I, it's a good question. It's, I think those toys will always be around because those are toys that are, when you go on trips, they are at the big sure. you know, service stations mm -hmm. and they're the ones that are by the registers and things of that nature. Um, but I think especially with the parents, like our generation and the parents going to be coming up, mm -hmm. we have a different focus, mm. right? We are buying with more intention and purpose for our children. Um, we want things to be meaningful mm -hmm. with what kids are playing with. And so I think that might really make a difference. I'm hoping at least um, that more companies will see that and say, oh, they really are wanting this specific toy to be more educational um, or you know, sustainable or that, what have you. Um, so. That's huge. Connecting improving toys to improving parenting. I think there's a lot that we've seen in this gener in past generations from generations before of this continually getting better at parenting. 
and being a, having a focus on that. Uh, it's something that I I work on that driven me to this whole mindset as well uh, through some stoicism and uh, what am I doing to improve myself? What am I doing to improve the family and interaction with the kids? And then, yeah, turning that into how are we interacting with toys? Do you think, is there a way of modeling the, the desire for learning education or learning toys as a parent that could help influence that with children? I know sometimes my kids want just the junk. Um, recently, we've been going to this fast food place only because they want what's being handed out there. The toys. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and there, there's nothing to them other than their figurines, and they enjoy figurines. Um, and there's good play there, but at the same time, could we be modeling something that makes them want to do something else? Are there, are there toys that we could participate with them in getting them into that mindset more? That's an interesting question. Um, I like that. So I think that there, there's definitely different types of play, which I think goes into the different toys as well. Um, and there's the more structured play, right? And that leads to that more educational play, which there's that driven purpose of what's happening, right? There's that end goal. You're wanting them to work on this. Here's your goal of it. Mm -hmm. um, the imagine, imaginative play, um, these play with characters, right? I'm assuming the characters are based off of some type of show right, or movie. Right. Um, and so then they get to develop that and they co-author stories, mm -hmm. right? And then mm -hmm. they're producing their own little stories and shows as they play with that and making their own narratives mm -hmm. for it as well. Um, for, I think the question in how we can portray that as parents is just to be more involved with them mm -hmm. um, and show them that you can really play with anything. So I don't think that there's a right toy and wrong toy and even having these toys that are junky Right? Mm -hmm. You can still do amazing things with them. Yes, there are better quality toys where like we even have some toys that we use them for play and then we even use them for homeschooling mm -hmm. purposes. Those are the toys I want to invest in because you get double bang for your buck. But for those little junky toys, they typically don't last. And those aren't toys where I look at and say, oh, I want them to have this and pass this on to their child. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, very true. I think it's the play experience mm -hmm. more so, and how, what type of play experiences are they having with these toys? Right. And how can you help facilitate that? Mm -hmm. um, and then if you see that it typically runs its course very quickly, those aren't going to be meaningful toys, sure. even if you put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Like they just won't. So, sorry, what, I didn't answer. Oh, you, you did. I, I'm just trying to uh, put it back together all, all together in my mind. Um, it's more than just is this a good toy or a bad toy? It's how are we using the toys? How are we fostering that imaginative learning mind in our kids? And then, are we investing 
our time and money into toys that are going to last and that are dual purpose and that have some really great qualities in them. Is that more, it's not, it's not, you shouldn't do this and you should do that. It's not like dieting. It's, but if you're going to put effort into it, here are some where places and some ways of thinking about it that you end up getting that value out of your effort. Is that more what you're leaning towards? Yes. And I loved how you just summed that up. That was wonderful. Yes, very much. Um, but I think specifically when you are looking at those kind of better quality toys and why I am partnering, collaborating with different companies um, to make them more educationally driven is because a lot of times kids are playing with toys by themselves, mm -hmm. right? Like they're not playing with their adult figure. Um, so it's good to have something where, and then especially if the product says, oh, this will help literacy development, actually make it help literacy development. Yeah. It actually help it foster those skills. Um, don't just say it. <laughs> um, so, but yes, I think the overall point is just getting that quality playtime because that's how children learn. So one of my favorite quotes from Mr. Rogers um, is, Work, play is the work of childhood. Mm. So that's what they need to do. That's how they learn. It's how they grow. It's how they develop. Mm -hmm. And so whether they're playing with a stick or a junkie toy from you know, a fast food restaurant, they're going to play and they're going to learn and experience things. Yes, they might have a better outcome if they have good quality toys mm -hmm. and they have a parent who's actually actively engaged with them. But either way, it's helping with that purpose. That's awesome. I, I really appreciate the, the mindset of purposefully improving toys, improving a product for an outcome. And I, I think that there's a lot of companies that are, are working on that on the software side and on the, the security side as well. And it, that's why I like doing this podcast because I get to talk to all sorts of people on uh, a very similar subject in very different ways. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me, Rebecca. This has been great. Of course. Thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, thank you for joining us for this episode of Loops and Life Cycles. If you enjoyed it, please share it with your friends. Uh, share it with anyone who you think might enjoy it as well. And we'll see you in a couple weeks. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Loops and Life Cycles podcast with Josh Mason, part of the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then add this show to your favorite podcast player. Subscribe to the ITSP Magazine YouTube channel and share the ITSP Magazine Podcast Network with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to connect your brand to our conversations and our audience, visit itspmagazine.com to learn how to sponsor one or more of our shows. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey.